He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Boy, that was a hell of a speech last night. Oh, man, that was unbelievable. This is Dick Morris with Doug DePiro. We were both watching it and really loved it. I think it was a a triumph. It was great. It was amazing. Actually, it was a trumpet. (laughs) Yeah, a trumpet. It was triumphant. Triumphant. Trumpumphant. I wasn't ready for you, Dick. I'm sorry. (laughs) The... um, it was an incredible speech, and uh, I, I think that it was the best speech he's ever given that I've ever heard. And uh, he held everybody wrapped for an hour and three quarters while he gave the speech. And uh, part of it was his delivery, part of it was the way he handled himself. But part of it is the miasma that exists in Washington. This absolutely ridiculous, terrible swamp with vapors, and it's not transparent. And you can't see it, you can't hear it, and uh, and and all of a sudden, from these clouds, they part, and a hero comes along. And then a hero comes along with the strength to carry on, and you cast your fears aside, and you know you can survive. So when you So let me put that speech in its strategic context. Uh, I believe that you can't say a nomination is wrapped up a year before the first primaries, but this is as close to being wrapped as you can get this far in advance for Trump. At the beginning of the Trump campaign, basically November when he announced, as soon as the 22 races were over, the problem we had was that when you asked voters who are you going to vote for for the Republican nomination for president, and you were just asking Republican primary voters, uh, and you asked, and we, you'd read them a list of ten names: Trump, uh, DeSantis, Haley, Pompeo, um, a whole bunch of them, Cruz. You'd read them all, and then you'd say, "Who are you going to vote for?" And the problem we faced was that earlier in the questionnaire. We said, do you have a favorable or unfavorable opinion of Trump? Oh, favorable. Do you approve of the job he did as president? Yes. Do you think he should run again? 76, 58% said yes. If he ran again, would you support him? 74% said yes. Okay, and then we get to the question of who are you going to vote for? And only 43% voted for Trump. Uh, The others voted for other candidates which isn't so bad because he was still 12 points ahead of DeSantis, who was in second place. But then the disturbing thing was then when we said, okay, let's say it's just a two-way race and your first choice drops out and it's just Trump against DeSantis, who would you vote for? And back in November and December, all of the votes for the other candidates, not named Trump, all went to DeSantis. So he was about... Five, so Trump was about five points ahead of him when you counted all of those voters. Uh, and that was very worrisome to us. It meant that Trump was just a placeholder and that when the names of other candidates came out, voters would flake and go to them and that this could become a very, very competitive primary. And that was the worry that had the whole Trump campaign in a tizzy and we were all working on solutions. Now we find, and the solution was to put Trump out there in a whole variety of speeches and videos, not just talking about the last election, because that was kind of stale and a little bit the kiss of death, but instead talking about new programs and new proposals that he would focus on, new problems, new issues. Recast his old experience, but do it in terms of new issues. And that was on display in the CPAC speech. He spoke about the World Health Organization becoming a health dictatorship in the event of pandemics to tell us when to lock down and when to quarantine and when to require vaccinations. He talked about the onset of digital currency in the U.S., where your money is going to be replaced with a debit card 
issued by the government. And the debit card is what you would have to use to buy everything. So the government keeps track of everything you buy, and they can keep a list of it. And if they don't approve of what you buy, you can go on a politically unreliable score, just like they do in China. And more importantly, the uh, that they can pull your credit card, your debit card. They can turn it off. So if you're buying a gun or if you're buying too much fossil fuels or if you're doing something uh, awful too, like... Too many mo- motorcycles? Yeah, too many motorcycles. Uh-huh. Uh, they can turn the thing off and your card is a useless hunk of plastic. That money you've earned and paid taxes on and is yours can only be used at the discretion of the government. And this is coming. Trump talked about mandatory unions. Biden is proposing to eliminate the right-to-work laws. So if you have a job, you have to join the union or lose your job. If there is no union, he made it really easy to create one, even if the workers don't approve. He said we're no longer going to hold elections on whether or not to have unions. We'll just declare a union. And if you don't work for an employer, he would say, he's saying, I'm going to change the IRS rules. So you have to work for an employer. You can't be your own boss. Every Uber driver, painter, contractor, lawyer, uh, computer IT expert, everybody like that. Freelance artists. Freelance artists like you would have to join a union. Yeah, it's horrible. And, uh, and, and then he talked about how the inheritance tax was going to be structured in such a way that you could not leave property to your kids. Uh, you could not leave your house. You could not leave your small business. You could not leave your farm. And it's, it's technical as to how, but it was there. And then Biden also said, I'm going to take your life savings, the 401k you've amassed, and I'm going to invest it in politically correct causes, ESG investments, for things like wind farms and solar energy and efforts to combat racism. And then he's going to take every electric meter in your house and turn it into a wiretap machine to figure out when you're in what room, what you're doing in the room, how long oh you're in the God. room. God, it's like a uh, police state. Yeah, are you doing any, are you running a business from your house that's unlicensed? Are you doing anything in your house that you don't want the government to know about? And it would be literally a, a wiretap without warrants. Can I interrupt you for one second? Yeah. Uh, the 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 call in phone number changed, so I just want to give them give it to the people. It's eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven. One more time, eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven. Sorry, Dick. And say it again later. Sure. Um, so, so what? What they did, what they did really is that the government has this whole new program to screw up your way of life and to regulate you and control you. And Donald Trump has exposed it, talked about it, talked about how to counter it, and that won him the support of a lot of those voters who previously voted for some other candidate, but when you collapsed it to a head to head, voted for Trump. And that solved the problem we had in November and December. But now our problem is that when you ask people, should Trump run again, 60% say yes. If he did run again, would you support him? 74% say yes. And then we read them the vote and we say, would you vote for him? And 42% say yes. So we wanted to learn who are those other voters that, like Trump, want to run again, would support him, but vote for somebody else. And we polled that, and it turns out that they're people who like Trump. They're not anti-Trumpers. They don't complain about him being acerbic or rude or obsessing on the past election. They mainly say, we're window shopping. We want to go look at other candidates and see who's out there and see what's going on. And what the CPAC speech did yet last night was to target those voters specifically and give them damn good reasons for voting for Trump. And I think it's going to cause a big increase in Trump's vote share. He's already 18 points ahead of DeSantis. By the time the results of that speech have sifted through the consciousness, I think he'll be over 20, and he could be up to 25 or 30. And if you think DeSantis is going to run in the teeth of that kind of polling, you're wrong. He's just not going to do it. 
So when we get back, I'm going to talk about the other part of Trump's speech, which basically said, we're going to beat the Democrats at their own game. They think they're going to steal the election. We'll beat them at that game when we come back. Entertaining and informative. Mayor Lightfoot says that critics of her tenure just don't want to see a black woman in leadership. Well, I do believe the country had an African-American president, Madam Mayor, except the fact that you were horrible as mayor. Dominic Carter, weeknights at midnight, just before every other side of midnight. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. The Environmental Protection Agency has decided they will not test for chemical compounds in the aftermath of that train derailment. Now, obviously, if they don't test, they can't find anything. So they can just tell you, hey, everything's fine. Go drink the water. Do whatever you were doing before. Life is good. The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Weekdays at 4 p.m. on 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Stuck in the middle with you. So the Republicans lost some of those elections in 22, not because their message was bad, not because their candidates were bad, but because they didn't know how to vote. They didn't know how to counter the Democratic tactics of stealing the election. They didn't. They voted the old-fashioned way. We all showed up on Election Day, waited in line, sometimes for hours, and voted. Sometimes we had to leave and not vote. But basically, the Democrats stayed home and voted by mail and cast absentee ballots and over a period of weeks and months. And they won the elections because they were the ones that knew how to manipulate the system. Some of it was cheating. Some of it was fraud. But the most important thing is the stuff that was not fraud. It was just better tactics and better understanding of the process. Well, Donald Trump spoke clearly yesterday about the change in his strategy. When I spoke to him during the uh, right after the election, I'm 22. I made the point that the, we lost a lot of these states because of the Democratic voting tactics, and we have to have mail-in voting and all of that. And he said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to follow them. And now he's changed. Now he's saying, yes, we will. We're going to beat them at their own game. They have mail-in votes. We're going to have mail-in votes. They have drop boxes. We'll have drop boxes, but they'll be in churches and community centers. Right. Very good. Um, they have uh, they have voting over a period of time. We don't want that, but we're going to accept it and we're going to use it, and we're going to fight every single day as if it's election day. And we can understand that the process has changed, and we better get with it, or we're going to keep losing elections. Come gather around, people, wherever you roam. And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are changing So they are, and Donald Trump understands that and the Republican Party is going to change tactics. We're going to tell people, vote early. Every single day is election day. Don't wait till Tuesday in November. Vote in October. Vote as early as they'll let you vote. Look at every day's returns and say yesterday there were 400,000 votes and the Republicans won 230,000 and the Democrats won 170,000. Great. Let's try to get over 250 tomorrow and treat every day as if it's election day because it is. Tally the votes. Pull your favorables out. If your people aren't voting yet, say, come on, get out and vote. Don't wait for election day. Because as Trump explained, the game the Democrats play is they say, 
stick it, don't go out and vote. Vote by mail. Vote early by mail. And then they know that all of the lines on election day are pure Republican. That if there's anybody who wants to vote and the line is discouraging him, he would vote Republican if he would let in to vote. So let the machines break down. Let the repair guys not do a good job. Let the printers run out of ink like they did in Arizona. Right. Make people wait online for another hour, another two hours. And if they get disgusted and leave, that's okay. Those are all Republican voters. The Democrat votes are already in. And just look at this in perspective, folks. America, American electorate is totally unlike it's ever been. A total of 150 million people voted in Election Day in 2020. In 2000, 195 million voted. So in just 10 years, 20 years, we've, ex- we've expanded the electorate by about one-third. And the, this additional vote, these tens of millions of new voters, add to the lines, they add to the delays, they add to all the factors that lead people to leave and not wait in line and vote. And the Democrats are exploiting that by mail-in voting. And, uh, we, and early voting, and we have to counter to beat them at their own game. And I think that is so important that Trump understood that and so important that he did that, uh, because we really have to send a clarion call to the Republican Party to, in the future, focus on early voting and mail-in voting and drop boxes. Not like it's some device to cheat, but it's what we have to do in order to win. Let's go to John in New York. Hi, John. Yes, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Donald Trump is 100% right on, and I'm 100% back of Donald Trump. Uh, And I'd be right there voting, too, for him. But uh, I have a comment and a suggestion. Donald Trump and all MAGA and Republicans and some good common sense Democrats should understand they are going to cheat again, as you said. And we are, we're going to try to, uh, you know, make that not work in their benefit. But we, we're we going to win and they're going to reject it. They're not going to hand over the presidency to the next Republican, whether it's Donald Trump or someone else. Yeah, well, uh, let's, they, as Adlai Stevenson said, let's jump off that bridge when we come to it. Right now, what we want to do is get more votes than they do. And um, let me say this. We also are, in, are getting every state to pass mandatory photo ID and with mail-in voting to include the last four numbers of your Social Security number on the ballot for it to be accepted as identification. And those steps are going to be adopted in most of the states where there is all states where there's a Republican legislature. But the Supreme Court is about to come down with a ruling that I think will require this of all states. And uh, I think that that the case is called um, um, Moore versus Harper. And we expect a decision momentarily. Uh, But I think we're going to deal with that and be effective. Uh, Sandra of New Jersey has a comment about the threats to our liberty. Hi, Sandra. Oh, good afternoon, Doug and Dick. Uh, Dick and Doug. <laughs> I, I, I want to say that I watched your shows again. I, I, I take them because they're very valuable to me. And I was so concerned about the World Health Organization and, of course, the, the digital currency that the government right. wants to... Two biggest threats point. to our freedom. Thank you for knowing about them. Right. Oh, it's very, it's very, very scary, and, and I, I, I'm really depressed over it, actually. But here's what I'm thinking. You said that maybe 40% of us like Trump but are undecided. So you had on last night Chris Scalato. He talks about uh, spreading the word, but he didn't say how to spread the word. So here's my thought. We haven't tried Facebook. We haven't tried Twitter. We haven't tried TikTok. Maybe... If we, you know, and I know Trump would never go for the uh, the uh, World Health Organization thing. He would never sign such a thing, and I and also the the digital thing too. So maybe we could start spreading the word that this is something yeah. Trump would never want well, to do. 
That's what the CPAC, the CPAC speech was about. By raising this issue, we're raising consciousness, <laughs> having people really understand what's going on. Let's be clear about the WHO. They know that whenever there's a pandemic, everybody freaks out. They know that the fear rages like crazy. Everybody wears masks. They hustle to get vaccines. They vie with each other to be the first in line to get a shot. And he, they know that that's the environment to say, oh, we can't have the old regime of civil liberties and individual rights. We have to fall in line to fight this pandemic. The, the panic power. Otherwise, we're going to be obliterated. It's this or extinction. Mm. So you got to get in line. you got to adopt what we say. you got to rally behind us. And that's what the WTO, WHO treaty does. And its real danger is what happens in a panicked environment, which is the environment we're going to face. As to digital currency, it's the IRS on steroids. It's saying we will monitor not just what you earn and what you pay in taxes. We'll monitor every dime you spend. And God forbid you spend it on a gun you're not allowed to buy. Or God forbid you exceed the ration we have in mind for you of fossil fuels. Or God forbid that in the middle of the summer you turn your air conditioning too high. <laughs> that and smart meters, which they're installing in each home, is the new totalitarianism. And Trump is the only politician so far who's identified it and talked about it. And that's why I love that speech. Let's go to uh, Alex in Brooklyn. Hey, Alex. Hey, Dick, thanks for taking the call. I actually think, you know, if Trump becomes president again, that he should fire every head of every single department in Washington, from the FBI to the CIA to he is. every single he is. person. That's I thought leadership. the most significant thing of his speech, sorry to interrupt you, Alex, but I think the most important thing in his speech was when he said, last time I didn't know Washington, now I know it. Now I know each of these agencies. Now I know each of these people. I know who'll stand up and I know who's going to cave and I'm going to govern with that in mind. He said, I didn't know Washington. I was a New Yorker. But now I know it, believe me. And it'll be a totally new approach. I'm not taking any prisoners on this, on this run. He's going to clean up from the streets on. He said he was going to clean up yeah, the streets. That's right. that was funny. Thank, thank you, Alex. So when we come back, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the uh, about the problems we face with. Um, I'm sorry, just pause a minute. Let's go to an ad break, and I'll figure out what's next. <laughs> Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. We have a new phone number. Yeah, it's uh, 833-969-4447. One more time. 833-8969-4447. Say it once more. 833-969-4447. Okay, the next topic I was about to deal with is criminal stupidity. <laughs> uh, not, uh, not policy problems, not disagreements, just flat-out criminal stupidity. The Biden has announced to Kirby, his national security advisor, that he approves of funding additional gain-of-function research. Six million dead from the, from the plague are not enough for him. He's going to go back to creating a virus that can destroy the human race. Why is he such a moron? Just, just for the fun of it. He says that what he's trying to do is to see how you can create it to understand how you can stop it and how oh, you really? can kill it. Oh, uh-huh. But in the meantime... 
he's going to create this thing. I looked it up, and I don't know if people know Victor Frankenstein. Uh, he's, his last name became well-known when he spawned Frankenstein, <laughs> who was the uh, human monster who uh, arose from the dead and dominated the world. And uh, the, the impulse to create a Frankenstein is right there in the World Health Organization and in the Wuhan Research Lab in China. So what they did was gain-of-function research. This guy's like young Frankenstein. Gain-of-function research. And what that is, is you take a perfectly harmless virus that would give somebody a cold or the flu and doesn't matter much, and you soup it up. You learn how you can make this virus infect people, how you can make it contagious, and how you can make it deadly. And then when they've accomplished this, Eureka! A discovery. I've done it. Yay! Hours in the lab are rewarded. Hour after hour, I slave away in my laboratory, and now, finally, I've done it. People I've created dying. a virus that will wipe out the entire human race. That's great. And I'll go down in history, although nobody will be there to read it. It'll go down. And, and literally, that is the psychology there. Uh, it's the race to find the incurable. You've heard the race to the cure. This is the race to the incurable. Wow. And uh, we are funding it again. Biden is saying, I see nothing wrong with this. I'm going to go ahead and allocate money to this. This is the stupidest, stupidest, stupidest public policy I've ever heard of. Is there anyone in there? <laughs> now, now there are two theories that are published in this third theory that I believe, and I'll bet most, I'll bet Trump believes it, and I'll bet most people in the know believe it. The, the, the public theories, the Chinese claim some passing bat flew from the wet market by the Wuhan lab, settled on a guy's shoulder and bit him in the neck. Mm. And that's how the virus went from bats in whom it occurs naturally, into humans. That's BS. The second theory is that they were mishandling it. They would come out with this invention, with this virus, and they mishandled it. It leaked from the lab, and they weren't secure enough. They didn't protect it enough, and it leaked out. It infected some people in the lab, and then it leaked out and killed six million people in, in the world, and would have killed more except... Donald Trump it came, had them come up with a vaccine that stopped it from wiping out the human race. And that's the theory. I don't believe it. I believe this was a biological weapon mm -hmm. conceived by China to rule the world. That's right. So do I. And at the very least, it would be, could be released as a virus, an epidemic, to screw up the American economy. Just as Trump was imposing tariffs on China, Mm -hmm. and basically sent them into a recession and was really taking strong positions against Chinese imperialism and the Chinese growth of power. They released this thing, I believe, deliberately. They'll kill a couple of their own people, but they're going to kill people throughout the world. You know, back in the 1960s, Mao Zedong, the leader of China then, and Nikita Khrushchev, the leader of Russia, met and... Khrushchev warned him, be careful, don't push the U.S. too far. They could use nuclear weapons, and we could use them, and we'd wipe out the earth. And Mao said, hey, I can afford to lose 200 million people. <laughs> you know, I have a population back then of about 600 million. I can afford to lose a third of them. Oh, really? Now the population's 1.2 billion, and now we'd have to lose four or 500 million, but no skin off his back he'd still be the most populous country in the world. Wow. So there is no deterrent for that. And I think Chinese are using that power and showed it with the Wuhan lab leak. So I not only believe this is not a mistake, I believe this is a calculated effort. Let me be clear about that. They knew they had this virus. They knew if it leaked, it would be deadly. 
They leaked it. And they wiped out all of, all of Wahoo, uh, where, where the lab was. They wiped out large parts of China. But then they wiped out six million other people on Earth and could have wiped out the entire planet. And more importantly for them, they derailed Donald Trump's efforts to make America great again. They stopped it dead. They threw the whole U.S. economy into a closure, into a lockdown, and they completely screwed up the momentum of the Trump administration. And the whole control grant, And I think too. they did that deliberately, mm-hmm. and that's why the World Health Organization, this charming entity that now is going to acquire dictatorial powers in the event of a pandemic, decided that they would lock us down, that they would require masks, that they would do everything possible to make sure that we were, that we were controlled. But they would not press China as to where the virus came from. They would not send, they would not insist that China let investigators right. in. They sent a team who knocked on the door and China said, who's there? And they said, the uh, World Health Organization. And they said, come back later. We gave it the office. <laughs> and they wouldn't let them in. They wouldn't let them inspect the facilities. They wouldn't let them interview the people. They wouldn't let them check the medical records of the staff. None of it. So they went into hiding for a little while, and they came back a couple of months ago and said, we're going to try again. Knock, knock, who's there? The World Health Organization. I told you, we're not interested. Go away. See you later. Slam. (laughs) And the World Health Organization said, oh, okay. okay. Our opinion is we cannot establish the source of the pandemic because China will not cooperate with us in the investigation. No sanctions, not even any condemning rhetoric. And the world is letting China get away with this. And now they want to take the World Health Organization, which is so supine and so timid and so unwilling to stand up for the people of the world, invested with this unbelievable and extraordinary power in the event of a pandemic. And let me be specific about it. First, they will decide when there's a pandemic and when there's not. And there's a movement called Global Health that says anything that affects the health of the world is a pandemic. So climate change is a pandemic. Racism is a pandemic. How is that a pandemic? Because it makes blacks and poor people sicker and then whites because they're less advantaged and it's, it's a pandemic. Wow. And they can declare anything they like a pandemic. The swine flu could have been a cause for locking everybody down. I should check on the name of it, but a few months ago there was a, a disease that affected mainly gay people in Africa. And there was concern that this might be a pandemic. They could declare that a pandemic. They could keep the world in a perpetual state of lockdown and panic and control control, by making everything a pandemic. And once they declare a pandemic, they can tell you what to lock down, how long to keep it locked down, whether you have to close your schools and your businesses, what kind, whether you have to, whether you have to require a vaccine. They will, they will research the medications and decide which meds are acceptable and will criminally prosecute those who are pushing meds that might Criminal, work. Criminally. But aren't, but aren't on their list. And then they'd say that anybody who criticizes that is spreading disinformation and misinformation and endangering world health and we will proceed against them. So it's a total medical dictatorship of the world. And it's what they want to impose in that heated, panicked atmosphere when a new virus is loose and when people will accept any change in their liberty in order to protect themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Because they'll voluntarily put their hands in handcuffs if they're told that that will minimize the chances of their dying from this pandemic. You think he's really going to sign this thing? Yeah, I think he will, absolutely. After all that? Well, he's on on a path to do it, and the World Health Organization says none of this is in the treaty. The treaty doesn't say this. The treaty simply says we pledge to do everything possible to stop global pandemics, okay? And we recognize the sovereignty of nations to make their own rules. But... In the event their rules don't protect other people and the virus goes over the border, we have the right to intervene, which every virus does. And the, and what they're saying is that we have the 
total authority to do whatever the we need to do. Jurisdiction over America to take care of that. That's right. And uh, and and the then they say we don't need Senate ratification. This could take effect simply as an executive agreement. But whether a treaty is ratified or not is governed, whether it has any consequence or not, is governed by the Treaty of Vienna signed in 1969. And that says that when a country signs a treaty, it is binding on that country unless it is rejected by the ratifying body until the thing finally is ratified. So it can get ratified after he It has to be unratified. Unratified. And in the meantime, it takes full effect simply on his signature. That's why we need Trump. That's what they're planning to do. And are they planning to get away with it? You bet your life they're planning to get away with it. Now, in future shows, I'm going to talk about the Small Arms Treaty, which is the same thing about gun control, the same thing, uh, but about taking away your guns and all of this stuff. Global Treaty, the Small Arms Treaty. We'll talk about that in the next show. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the – Iran was totally under under control. Uh, Trump had it on the ropes. Uh, their economy was crashing. Their currency was worthless. Uh, their poverty rate had doubled or tripled. And now Iran is back on its feet producing nuclear weapons. We'll talk about that when we come back. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, An APB for Jerry, <laughs> calling Jerry. Will Jerry please call the uh, for show again? What's the number? Oh. So please call our show. Uh, you had called in earlier, and your topic was that you said that the lab leak was not deliberate by China. Okay. The number is 833-969-4447. You got that, Jerry? Uh, and Jerry said that this was not a deliberate leak. Well, the first thing I have to say to Jerry, who got off the phone before I could do it, you but hopefully you. he's coming back on, is that who cares? Okay, if it was a deliberate leak or an inadvertent leak, what business did China have creating a virus that was incurable, that was communicable, and that was lethal? What business did they have doing it? Was it curiosity? Was it just just in case uh, so that they could figure that if we were going to stop it, how could we? Uh, what difference does it make? The second thing is that if it was not deliberate, if it was just a mistake, why are they moving heaven and earth to keep the World Health Organization from investigating, right, from not opening meeting the door, people, from talking like to the said. people? And if it's not deliberate, why did they lie about it at the beginning and say it was, it was caused by natural causes and hold from America the information and the world that three of the scientists in the Wahoon lab came down with the virus? Uh, before it was released publicly. So they obviously knew that it was dangerous and knew that it was out there. Well, Jerry. Yeah. So um, Iran has gone from being half dead to being half alive now. Just the stats are that Iran used to sell, Iran's entire economy is oil. Their second biggest export is Persian rugs. (laughs) And and actually it's cars, but still. How about the cats? No, I'm kidding. And uh, when, when Trump imposed the sanctions on Iran, Iran was selling 4 million barrels a day to the rest of the world, about 4% of the global supply, about 25% of the OPEC exports. 
After the sanctions were imposed, their share dropped back to about a million barrels a day, a million and a half, largely to Russia and to China. So 25%, you're saying, something like that? right. But they still could do that. And they were still able to evade the sanctions to that extent. Now they're headed back up to 25%, courtesy of the Biden administration, its failure to enforce the sanctions, and the world turning away. And I think Hunter. And they are now, according to some accounts, 12 days away from having enough fissionable material to create a bomb. Just explain. The, when you mine uranium, you don't get uranium that could become a bomb. It has to be enriched. You have to add uh, radioactivity to it. And, there's a, and the thing that does that are gigantic cyclotrons that produce that. And uh, the United States has been monitoring these machines and getting, getting, getting Iran to hold back. And now their restraints are off. They're enriching the uranium as fast as they possibly can, subject only to the airstrikes that Israel has done and the sabotage they've done. And hopefully there will be a massive airstrike coming in the next few weeks that will rid the world of this danger of Iran. But who knows, and who knows if they can pull it off technically. And the one thing we know is that Biden will sit on his hands and will not give a drop of help to, help to Iran in doing that. Oh, he's such now, an idiot. All you have to do is take Iran at its word, that it is going to destroy Israel. If it can reach it, it's going to destroy the United States. <laughs> and this is what they're saying when they're trying to get us to cooperate and to let them come out produce a bomb. But all we have to do is listen to what they say and take them at their word. Let's go to my but friend. But now Bob. we got weapons of chemical dust. If I them were forced to, then fire them we must. One push of the button And shot the world wide And you never ask questions When God's on your side And Iran believes God is on their side And that they're going to nuke the rest of the world or To convert it to Islam and uh, you, giving those people nuclear weapons is insane. And it's entirely due to Biden's replacing Trump as president oh my and getting rid of his policies. Trump had Iran cowed. He had them stalemated. He had them impoverished. He had the program in shreds. The Israelis had killed a lot of their top scientists, and the U.S. had starved the rest. And Biden let them out of the cage let them back on the mat, and now they're about to dominate the world with this. And once again, my question, what is his motivation for on that? this one, he has absolutely none. None whatsoever. He's got a motivation in being complacent with China because they were paying him off. Got it. He had a motivation in uh, letting Ukraine do what it wanted because their energy company was paying him off. Right. But as far as we know, Iran is not paying him off, which means that even in a vacuum – even devoid of self-interest, even on an objective standard, mm -hmm. just the facts, Joe Biden is a damn idiot. How about Obama is into this Iran thing? Yeah, Obama is too, but well, with Obama it's you know, he different. He put money down their throat, right? Yeah, with Obama it's different. Obama believes in Iran. That's what I'm saying. Obama opposes the United States because he says that it's a colonial power. Right. And his experience in Kenya Dinesh D'Souza's wonderful book, The Roots of Obama's Rage, says that he understands that, that colonialism by the U.S. and Western Europe is the great enemy of the world, just as we always thought communism was the great enemy. And he's determined to knock it down. And to do that, he was determined to allow counters nations to develop nuclear weapons. And that's how Iran got them. Biden's motivation... Who the hell knows? O Obama in his ear. Yeah. Let's go to Judith in Brooklyn. Get her Hi, in order. Judith. Hi, Judith. 
Hi, good afternoon, Dick and Doug. Um, I'm calling about something a little early on, but still, I want to address it and see if you what you want to think about debates. But before that, I want to tell Jerry that um, <laughs> these Chinese people, she knew exactly what he was doing when he sent out 2,300 flights only out yeah, of Wuhan. Of but he closed the entire China lockdown, except Wuhan. They sent out 2,300 flights out, okay? Yep. So that was not accidental. They knew what they were doing. It was on yes. purpose. Um, getting back to this, Dick, yeah, Dick, let me ask you a question. I have always had a problem with these debates for two reasons. I can't stand the moderators, and I would love to see it change because all they have is these left-leaning moderators, and it's, yeah. I find it's very you're, unfair. You're so, I think they need so to right have to better you. moderators. You're so right. And I Monica think Crowley. Right now, the, um, right now the debates are in the province of the Presidential Commission on Debates which was established by Congress, has an equal number of Democrats and Republicans on it, although the Republicans were all rhino establishment, Bush Republican types. And they choose the moderators, they set the format, they police the debate. And when Trump kept interrupting Biden, they're the ones that said turn off his mic and stop him from expressing his views freely. Now, participation in the debates is obviously voluntary. That Trump can refuse it. Uh, the Republican Party can refuse it. What do you mean for, for him to participate, yeah. not to change? No, he can the venue. refuse it. Yeah, got and it. nobody's going to put it on the debate of just one guy. Yeah, right. It's like one hand clapping. <laughs> so, by, so Trump. That'd be called a speech. So Trump can, yeah, I guess, try to get Biden to give a speech. Oh, yeah. For more than like 30 <laughs> yeah. seconds. And, um, and I believe that what Trump is going to do. I'm not saying he's decided to, but I would predict he will, refuse to participate in the debates under the jurisdiction of the debate commission. And he will say, uh, I think he'll say, um, send a representative to meet with Biden, and between us we will decide who the media is going to be. And if we cannot come to a conclusion, we're not going to have a debate. Interesting. And uh, tough luck, you're out of luck. And I think that that is absolutely coming, and I think it's very astute of you, Judith, to raise it early. Uh, Let's go to Pamela in Central Jersey. Good afternoon. Um, I agree with you. Uh, There should be no debate, because as Gavin DeBecker said, uh, when evil says who they are, believe them, and you cannot debate evil. And I totally agree with that. Well, you can debate evil, but I don't know if you can debate total stupidity. And dementia. Yeah. Really yeah, go stupid. Ahead. They're doing a fine job of destroying our country. You ain't kidding. You know? Well, yeah. I, I don't think they're stupid. I think they're. No, they have this a is Obama. This is Obama who's doing that. That's right. Obama's got the st- stupid guy. You know, when, the, to, when they had the puppeteer, Charlie McCarthy. Yeah. I forget who the puppeteer was. Yeah. Um, don't confuse the puppeteer with the puppet. Right. Yeah. But go ahead. Howdy doody. Go ahead, Pamela, please. Also, I believe it was a bioweapon, uh, like yep. you, you said. Also, the weak uh, links in the chain of the election, uh, living in a blue state, I can see it as plain as anything. You call uh, Republican parties, and not just this state, but a lot of states, a lot of the Republican Party offices, as, as Trump is working on his staff, as Steve Bannon said today, so that you don't have any uh, brutuses. You've got to check into the staffers of Republican offices because yeah, they I, will I, not back Trump. I agree. And, and he is going to do that. The most significant thing he said in that speech yesterday was, now, I'm not new to Washington anymore. I know how it works. I know who's stand up and I know who's not. And he singled them out. He identified yes. a political party known as the Bush Republicans. He called them out by name. He named who they were, Romney and uh, Sue Collins and a whole bunch of them. And uh, and he really identified that as the opposite of MAGA. And I think that was very important. And he walks off with over 80% of the Republican Party being MAGA, only 10 to 20% being Bush Republicans. And McConnell and a lot of the so-called Bush Republicans are going to have to come to grips with that. And part of that is cleaning out the, the apparatus of the party. Let's go to Suzanne in Huntington. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Suzanne. 
Hi, Dick. Thank you for everything you do. Wish you were on every day. The single most important offense for Trump, <clears throat> if it's true, and you would know, I wouldn't know, but I have a sneaking suspicion that he is be- <clears throat> being backed by the Swamplican Bush family. He's great friends with Karl Rove, this DeSantis. You're talking about DeSantis, And if it's yeah. true, get it out. Yeah. Yeah, Carl Rove is running the DeSantis campaign, and Carl Rove is doing a contract hit on Donald Trump, and the contract comes from the Bush family. They've never forgiven Trump for defeating, ridiculing, and humiliating Jeb. And uh, when, then they, they had Liz Cheney try to take Trump out oh, yeah. as retribution, and now they're having Rove doing his best to put up DeSantis as retribution. I know Carl very well and, and a great regard for him because we've, we're two people in a rather small club of folks that have elected a president. But right now he's doing the work of the devil as a contract killer to go after, uh, Donald Trump. And he's doing it on behalf of Joe Biden. So the, the anti-Trumpers are organized and, Every once in a while, the media discovers them. They say, oh, you know, a lot of people, Republicans, are turning against Donald Trump. Yeah, right, a lot. And they've been against him forever, and they're just now catching up to it. Uh, so don't believe that, and don't pay any attention to it. Yeah, makes for good television. So what we talked about today is the enormous impact of this speech in identifying the new threats to our freedom that he went through, in flipping from being someone that was saying we'll just do the elections by the rules to somebody who said we're going to beat them at their own game and declaring that a goal of his campaign. We talked about how stupid gain-of-function research is and what idiots Biden is for letting that happen. We talked about the incredible danger that Iran poses. So it was a great show, and have a great weekend, and see you next week. And it's an honor to be with you, Mr. Morris. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.